I'm Mike. I'm Dave. And this is Between the Lines. And we're back. We are in a different location. We are in an undisclosed location in a bunker in Washington, D.C. No, I'm just joking. We have tons of spam. So in case World War Three kicks mm-hmm. off, we've got spam to the end of the world. Uh, Joe Biden <laughs> is with us. <laughs> My hairy legs. So um, last week we talked about some stuff. Uh, why is it we always have I never, trouble remembering? You know, this is probably some research we should do before we start the show. <laughs> what did we do last week? Um, uh, man, I can't remember. That's 20 minutes of dead time, us trying to remember what we did yeah, last week. To <laughs> Maybe we should change the name of the podcast oh, to know. Grumpy well, Old Men. We were talking about the digital digital currency yes, and the ESG, ESG and, and uh, how all that ties Stakeholder into, capitalism. Yeah. How that all ties into what's going on with uh, Russia and Ukraine and and that whole interesting enough geographical I, area. I was on a forum just chatting about that with some people, and uh, some person was like, "I have been looking for information for this forever, and I can't figure out what this stuff is talking about." So I just gave her a quick synopsis, and she's like, "Thank you." Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow. <laughs> well, it it's all right. It's not. It's not incredibly easy to digest. No, but I but mean, it's not once, a secret either. Yeah, once you get it, it it's it, you you realize how wide out in the open it is. Yeah, but it's not it's not easy to digest, and and some of it is n- nearly unbelievable. The thing is, I started doing some own my uh, own personal digging through some of my own banking institutions and financial institutions that I deal with, and they all have. Oh yeah, they all have. Um, whole pages worth of what their commitment is to the whole ESG process and yep. they don't they They're, don't use the term stakeholder capitalism of course but no cuz they want to dress it up like a painted pig but yeah yeah i mean that's that's exactly what's going on and and like we said at the end of the last episode um you know research your bank research your local banks and see if they're going to be using this stuff and it it wouldn't hurt to call the boards of your of your local banks yeah. and the presidents of your local bank. You realize that <laughs> one thing that people don't understand is that banks are a service industry. Yeah, it's not. You don't work for them. They don't. That you you don't owe them a damn thing. They're the whole power of the bank is your money. Is as little or as much as you put in the bank. The whole power that a bank has is using your money to loan out to other people. That's that's why when you have like a savings account, you get interest and CDs get interest because the bank's going to take that money that you're saving in your bank and they're going to loan it out to somebody else and make money off of it. And that's how banks make a profit. Well, not for it's anything. not a secret. I loosely remember learning in school growing up the historical context of all the conflict behind the national bank you know how much back and forth there was with regards to having a central u.s bank and of course that a lot of that erupted out of the revolutionary war because 
you know, debts to pay and people going bankrupt because they were privately funding the fight against Britain and whatnot. I mean, that's crazy to think. Think Elon Musk privately funding yeah. military to, you know, fight off invaders, you know, yeah. coming into your space, so to speak. But that that private that 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 public private partnership, as you would call it, is what really scares me about the whole Yeah. The whole ESG thing like you said Elon Musk could he has enough money to build an army that would be ridiculous but that's not his place yeah you know what I mean and then the government is partnering with companies like Facebook and Twitter because they can't censor so they use these other private companies to do the censoring form but that's another that's it's a basically other. a digital form of cock blocking yeah is yeah. what it is I, I, yeah I mean really that's what it is um and then, uh, after our podcast, there was an award ceremony that, that <laughs> happened. Yeah. Um, we, we, we're not going to delve into it too far, but what we want to talk about today, if we didn't bring this up, then it just gives context to, to what we were, you know, what, what we're going to talk about. Um, should I just play the play the clip why don't we hold off on that just okay. to build up some because that that's going to be a big part of it yeah but i think not so much the incident itself but yeah. kind of what surrounds it oh sure so okay. all but, right yeah but no, what i ahead. what i want to do um i i pulled up that that new house bill uh 1550 yeah 1550 1550 1557 uh the florida state senate uh and governor DeSantis. oh the the quote unquote what, what don't they're, say gay. What they're terming is that. Well, it's a thirteen hundred worded bill. It's not long, mm-hmm. but they decided to take twenty two words out of the entire bill and highlight that and distort it to make it sound like something that it's not. Politicians gonna politic. Yeah. Um but more the media than anything. I mean yeah. the media is running with this. But basically I'm not gonna read the whole thing the the bill here but the i was just looking through it and it all has to do with parental rights yeah it strictly has to do with parental rights um the one piece that they were talking about was in section eight paragraph c part three where it says classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through third grade or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. The rest of the bill has everything to do with schools working with the parents to disclose information that would be relevant for the parent to know. Yeah. In other words, should parents know what's going on in Absolutely. their kids classrooms yeah and and that's the bigger issue another another uh thing that should be pointed out there is i've i've looked through the bill as well and there's nothing in there that says that there can't be casual discussions yes or anything along those lines either they, they just no instruction and i'm going to put it as bluntly as i possibly can from kindergarten to third grade i don't want any no t- any sexual talk whatsoever it, you know from kindergarten to third grade it, whether it's gay straight you know non-binary whatever yeah. whatever i don't care i don't want any instruction 
Yeah. At, at that age. The point is, is it's really, it's, uh, it's just like with the whole mask mandating thing that became a heated topic in Virginia recently. Governor Yunkin recently passed a bill just, um, you know, making it um, not mandatory for children to wear masks in schools. And everybody was up in arms, especially Loudoun County, you know, where they always have constant conflict in their school district. But, you know, that being said, you know, it it was the, the bigger underlying premise was parental choice. The parents' opportunity to parent their child and to... We're paying the taxes. Yeah. So you have a kid. I don't have kids. Yeah. But you're paying taxes on a yearly basis that go to whatever said school system yep. to pay whatever said teachers. You have a degree of influence with regards to what that school does and how it does it. Yeah. Now, you can't dictate everything from top down. No. There's, there's a certain level of authority that that school maintains with regards to the teaching of the child. Beyond that, I, not to interrupt too much, but I just want to make a qu- real quick point, and then you can continue. Beyond the financial uh, establishment, you're sending you're, it's mandatory. They're f- not that kids shouldn't go to school, but they're forcing me to send my kid to their school. Yeah, it's not like I I can pick what school he goes to. Yeah, it's based depending off the upon district. where I live. Yeah, I have to send him to a certain school, so I have to have some sort of input on what that school teaches in particular because I have no other choice. Now, I could pay to send him to a private school, but I don't have the means to do that. I could pay to have him sent to a different district. I don't have the means to do that. So that's where it's not just about I pay taxes so I I should have a say, which is absolutely a 100% valid argument and absolutely true. But more than that, you're forcing me to send my kid here. This is not my choice. If I don't send my kid here, I get arrested and charged with truancy. If if I don't have a choice, I send my kid to the school you choose. Therefore, I have to be able to choose what at least have some influence on the curriculum. What was not not for anything, but what is the uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. What is the number of absent days that a child can be absent from school before they start bringing questions like that to. I think it's. I, we actually just went through this because Aaron had so many quote unquote unexcused absences, and I think it's only three. Really? I think it was three, 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 three unexcused absences, and they send a letter home. And if it get, I'm, I'm not 100 on that, but I think it's only three. I don't think it's very high. Now they relaxed to that pretty heavily during COVID, and I don't think that they've. Well, they must have because we got a letter about it. It it was a whole big deal. Um, Aaron wasn't turning in his excuses when he was going back to school. Oh, gotcha. So we got a letter for <laughs> truancy, and they they were cool about it. And they yeah, you know, they're like, oh, okay, here's your excuses. Just forget about it and whatever, whatnot. But yeah, I mean, they sent me a letter because there were so, and I'm pretty darn darn sure sure it was only three, but it may have been five. Nonetheless, doesn't matter how many it was, but yeah, it's it's like three, three, we'll say three to five, three to five. Well, this is one of the reasons why charter schools became such a a big thing coming into the, I guess you really started to see them in the late nineties, early two thousands is when they really started to get their footing as a, an alternative to public schools. Um, but 
You mean the, the online charters or just the regular charters? Just regular themselves? charters. Because the online charters are becoming pretty big too. Like, yeah. Not not to get too local, but Jersey Shore School District has been having trouble with funding because the the way that it works, at least in PA, at least in our area of PA, I don't know how it works everywhere, is if, if a child in your district chooses to do online charter school or whatever – then the money that would be allocated to that child has to then go out of the school's budget and go into the charter school's budget. It's not so they're they're something along these are classes actually conducted by staff at said school. Is that no, these are like this is like for well, I some of them are there. There's a couple of different ones. Like we looked at like K K 12, I think one of them is called um. Because when the when the whole pandemic thing broke out, we didn't know how well our school district was going to be able to handle it. Yeah. But it turns out they handled it just fine. But at any rate, I looked at online schools, and some of them were like my school district does. They have their own charter school, so you could choose to do that one, and he would have his teachers that he that work at the East Lake Cumming School District, gotcha. or we could have done just they have teachers that are all over the country that will teach the curriculum and you can take it and maybe one of your teachers is in Colorado and one of your teachers is in New York and one of your you know you know what I mean so it could be it was nice because I I mean my that online charter school piece is nice from the perspective of that it it puts the kids more into the presence of the parents yeah physically present with the parents at the same time, there were a lot. I remember there were a lot of situations where he had teachers that were criticizing the kids for things that they had up on their walls, yep, and things that they could see in the picture. Not that it was any of their yep. damn business, but exactly. And the courts, the luckily, the courts have ruled on that and have said that you, you know if you're going to be school rules don't apply within the the walls of your own home. Yeah, to to a certain point, they do at wherein. If there's something on the walls that you can't have nudie pictures, <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like there are there's certain guidelines, modicums but, of you yeah. know decency and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, as long as it. But like the one kid was suspended because he had his BB gun hanging on the wall. Yeah, I mean, come come on. Yeah, come on. I mean, that's just somebody that has a. Yeah, I, I it, could see how someone may get offended by that. I could get that. get over it, but that's a that's definitely a get over it situation. But um, but I not, digress. Not to go into this too far, but I think really why this came up. Um, one for those of you that don't know about this bill, the the more that you hear about it in the news right now, um, it, it's it's all rhetoric. It's really it's just straight out rhetoric that the the news stations. Then you had Mark Hamill. I I like Mark Hamill because I grew up with Star Wars. Yeah. But then that that dingleberry decides to post some tweet about gay, 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 gay. And it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that at all. Yeah. Um, I like my, that's why I don't like the star Wars prequels. Cause I like my star Wars politics free. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And now what was it? Star Trek has Stacey Abrams in it yep. as the president of the earth. Come on. President really? of the earth. She couldn't even win governor. Yeah. But <laughs> she thinks she did. It just goes to show they elevate whoever's famous right now or whoever's, you know, you know, as soon as Stacy doesn't 
you know, click with people for some reason. Stacey She'll be Abrams, out of the news. Stacey Abrams is the Donald Trump of Georgia. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. They she, they like to they like to hate each other, but they're they're pretty fucking similar. Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't she contesting the yeah, results? She still she still she still doesn't think that she lost that election. Yeah. And Donald Trump still believes he won yeah. twenty twenty. Pe- so people need to get over themselves. Yep. But um, reason why I think that this bill kind of plays into the larger topic that we're talking today is because of just their immediate move or shift to want to make this about not talking about people that... Yeah, don't say gay. Yeah. And that's not what it is at all. No. First off, the bill has nothing to do with that at all. Only only 5% yeah, but it's, of the bill. But the 90... I would say 95% of it relates to parental yep, rights. Yep. And that's... The parents should have every right on uh, uh, over their child. Yeah, and this isn't this isn't a state bill. This isn't like, hey, you go into a restaurant and say to start talking to your child about something that suddenly the state's going to come down on you about. That has nothing to do with that. This has to do with school transparency. The school being transparent with the parents in the context of a school, and it only had to do with a certain grade level too. It wasn't even. It was third grade on down, which is, you know, we consider. Not for any, all kids are protected, but there's certain ages that I would say fall within a higher level of a protection class. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm getting at in terms yep. of what they hear, see, do, whatever the case be. But, um, you know, to me, anybody that would fight back against a bill that protects parental rights with regards to transparency in a school, I would immediately want to question that person. What do you do around kids? Hey. I'll tell you I'll tell you this. Here's how I would want to frame it. I'm all about equality. Yeah. And I'm all about um you know, treating people with respect and honoring all beliefs and yeah. all that stuff. But here's here's what I'll say about that. If they want to teach their trans stuff in kindergarten through third grade, okay. Well, let's make a compromise here. All right, let's do that. And they want to talk about sexual orientation and yeah. sex and all that from K to third grade. That's great. Let's also talk about um, the the true meaning of Easter and yeah. and the resurrection of Christ. That's a good point. Um, how about then we also talk about Moses and the burning bush? Yeah. Let's talk about Allah and the temple. Yes. If we if, let's let's go full out. If well, we're going to do it, let's do it. It's basically it's that it's that whole exclusionary idea. It's like some ideas hold more worth in the eyes of certain people than others. Yeah. So, but in the context of the public schools, it was always supposed to be all or none. Yeah, that's how they've labeled it at least in the last, I'd say, twenty to thirty years or yep. more. Yep. Um, but yeah, to your point, yeah, why not give kids the opportunity to hear you, both sides? Yeah. Why not? In a sense, I I even had the thought. You know, why not have uh, certified teachers that you know subscribe to either Christianity or Islam or uh, Judaism or whatever the whatever the flavor of religion is, why not have them that are board certified teachers go in and have classes that are voluntary yep. that maybe the parents want their kids to be a part of and yep. that they approve of? But then you know I don't know I was just thinking in this context too. What better way to give kids exposure to other thoughts and other world views and stuff than to, you know, what if, you know, Susie A is part of a Christian family and they want Susie A to, you know, be a part of class, 
you know, teaching about Islam because she has neighbors that are Islamic or whatever yeah. the case be, and they yeah. just want to they want to make it broaden a, your horizons. Yeah, I mean, there'd be nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it's like you know, we're talking about doing this with children that are we we would scientifically deem as old enough to be able to cognitive cognitive yeah i can't even talk today um you <laughs> know it's carrying over from last yeah week. i i don't know what it is but they they could adapt and they could learn and they appropriately yeah. you know within a certain setting or environment and but you can uh, you can understand when you when you when you learn this isn't some profound thing or anything like that but when you learn then you understand so for instance um one of the quirky i I say quirky i mean no disrespect but one of the quirky things about um judaism and uh islam and uh things is they they don't eat pork yeah that's one of the quirky things Uh, just like in christianity we have lent where there's 40 days where you don't eat meat on Fridays and somehow that's going to, you know, we have the quirky things. But when you learn, then you understand and those quirky things don't seem so quirky anymore. You understand that the reason why we do Lent is because Jesus spent 40 days in the desert without any food or water and we do it as a tribute, as a sacrifice to to make ourselves closer to to God and, and in... um. Judaism and Islam um, in the Old Testament, and I don't want to get too religious. If, if I'm going to too Bible banger, you know, just slap me upside the head. But um, in those religions, they felt that the pig was unclean, and there's there's yep. you know religious aspects to it, and, and there's reasons for it. It's not just no, not pork. You know, it's, it's not arbitrary there's reasons for it and if you understand that then it doesn't seem so weird anymore as i guess well funny enough to get to i knew i knew a guy that traveled quite a bit and uh he worked with populations in india and uh, uh in india you know you have some islands that are subscribing to hinduism and some islands that are subscribing to islam so he would he would say he knew these people that would travel from one island to the next so that they could eat pork or eat or beef, beef yeah. depending on where they're at. In Hinduism, the 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 cow is sacred. Yeah. So they don't eat the cow the exactly. same way. You know, for well, different reasons. But I don't know if it's still a true thing. But there was a time when when McDonald's first introduced or was introduced to the to India that they would actually have blinds put on the windows you know typically you don't oh, have blinds in a yeah, McDonald's no, I get you because people didn't want other people seeing them inside there eating beef eating or beef. whatever it's to, a, it was offensive <laughs> yeah but anyways it's like they're strip clubs yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> pretty Except much just a hamburger but I mean I I think more so than just you know it, it's the idea of are you teaching to make people aware of something or teaching people to indoctrinate them yeah and that's the difference there's there's learning and then there's indoctrination. And I think that what's going on with, the, and I, I, I don't want to get mired down in this either, but the CRT, the critical race theory, yeah. um, that, that goes right along the same vein yeah. as the transgender movement. It's indoctrination. It's not teaching. Yeah. If you're, if you're telling my Especially kid, depending on the age that you're starting to introduce it to. Yeah. If, you, if you're telling my kindergartner that trans people exist... Okay, you, you know I'm all right. I'm fine with that. Telling my kindergartner that that they have a choice to be trans, that's not okay, because 
now you're now you're you're seeding you're seeding yeah. the thought don't seed the thought you know if if a, a child at that age starts to have you know i hate to say the word symptoms but symptoms of being a trans person um then then we could talk about it but don't yeah. seed those thoughts i guess is what i'm trying to say that's indoctrination if you're just telling me that, that if you're just teaching my kid that there there are people out there that need to be respected and that they exist, I'm okay with that. But don't try to influence them and and try to tell them that it's a that it's glorified to be trans or it's better well, to be trans. It's it's, or, it's no different than um, what was the, what was the girl's name from King of Queens. They got involved in uh, Scientology really hardcore. What was her name? Leah Ramini. Leah Ramini. Um, that's actually a really good documentary for those of you who have never seen that. But um, but it, it's the same. It's the same premise. Is that you know Scientology preyed on the kids of the parents, or oh yeah, the 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 kids that were you know part of these families where the parents were because kids are malleable. Yeah. So, I mean, and if you read some of the, you listen to some of her accounts of what she went through, I mean, it it, it was teaching to indoctrinate. It wasn't teaching to make aware. And yeah. she became so ingrained into the culture and everything. And, you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, it's one of those things where you can sit there and recognize, like with Jehovah's Witnesses, and I don't know so much with the more modern Jehovah's Witnesses, because there's been a lot of changes and yeah. shifts in like in Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, you know, in terms of what they believe and what people have characterized them as. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, there was this belief in Jehovah's Witness circles or kingdom halls that they wouldn't seek out medical attention. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. your kids bleeding profusely from some kind of internal damage. And, you know, they're just going to sit there and let that you know, they're going to pray it away, so to speak. And, you know, pray it away, pray away. The yeah, gay. There's yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like, there's a certain level of cognitive distant dissonance that happens, you know, with, and, and we sit there and look at that reasonably and say, you know, well, I'm a religious person too, but I also understand is that there's people out there that are put in positions to help when you need help, you know, and they probably know, how to get them from point A to point B physically. And yet you're sitting there living in your bubble, basically letting your kid die. So it's a hard road. It's a hard no, road. I get you. It's a hard road. But at the same time, it's if we don't respect parental rights around to a certain degree, you know, it turns into this kind of mess where, you know, but anyways, you got to think of it though. Like, like the way I put it, if I don't want you to teach my kid that he's trans any more than a trans person would want me to teach their kid that they're straight yeah and and force that into their head you're straight you're straight you're straight you're straight and i wouldn't want that kind of indoctrination either no. if 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 a person is gay or what, whatever they want to be i wouldn't want them to have to try and fake it and and be something that they're not any more than i i hope that you get what i'm trying yeah, to yeah no i get <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't get, want that to be forced either way no and it, it really comes down to a question as to who believes they're the parent in yeah. a lot of these situations and i'm just you know i'm thinking about you know with the with the debate back and forth with abortion it's like you know the debate is is that 
that child is that person's property. Yeah. That's why they have in their mind the ability to make that choice, you know, whether or not that child lives or not. Well, I, I, I'll just be honest. I don't personally agree with that in a lot of situations, no. you know, from, from a personal standpoint. But on, on the grander scheme of things, how can you turn around with that mentality, that stance, and then turn around and tell somebody that you can't govern what your child learns, yep. what, how your child is developed, uh, you know, how they're cultured, you know, so to speak. You know, how, how is it you have the right to dictate what the child's life is after they're born, yeah. but yet you have the right to dictate that the child isn't born to begin with. Yeah. I just, I feel like that's, there's a, there's a tinge of hypocrisy yeah. that, that is laced in, in amongst those arguments. So. The, the abortion debate is always a double-edged sword, as, even for me, because yeah. the religious Mike um, doesn't want to see any abortions because yeah. every, every life is sacred and yeah. every, every child deserves to be protected. The libertarian Mike yeah. wants to say it's none of the government's fucking business. Exactly. What what I what I do medically. I you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm I'm always on this double edged sword. But I also feel like life is more important than you know, li life is the ultimate sacrament. It's the ultimate well, it's like one of those things gift. where abortion was used in situations where it was maybe deemed extremely medically necessary and then it yeah. and then it became a fad and that's yeah. oh yeah you know it went from one end of the stick to the other end of the stick and it's just and i'm not saying that everybody that gets in that are in those situations you know i empathize i empathize deeply with people that are going through those situations you know i know they bring up a lot in conversation pieces about you know children that are born because of rape situations and whatnot yeah um but at the same time is that you know that's still a small percentage of the overall and i'm sympathetic to that yeah i'm very much so and yeah. i can understand i can understand the the weight of what goes into that kind of decision i'm sure the person you know didn't want any of that to happen yeah. I, I i i'm convinced of that but at the same time you know we've taken you know something that was used in exclusive situations and have expanded out to like, you know, the difference between, you know, whether we're, <laughs> you know, it's like the fat of the week, you know, we're using the fidget spinners now or pogs or, you yeah. know, you know I, I'd hate to, there are people out there that have, that have turned it into, um, like you said, fidget spinners or, or just a fad slap bracelets yeah. where it's, you wear your abortion with pride and it, I don't think that you know anyone that's ever been forced into a situation where they had to give get an abortion. I don't think they should ever be shamed for it. No. Uh, but I also don't believe that it should be something to be proud of no. either. You know what I mean? I don't think it's something that you should hang a certificate on your wall next to your college diploma and have a have a wall dedicated to your abortions. I don't well, think that, it, that should be a thing. I think it goes hand in hand with people that are fighting through like people that are cancer victims. Oh, sure. You know, a lot of times, you know, at least the people I've come into contact with, because there's very few people that have never had anybody in their family or closely related to or families or your friends or acquaintances that haven't experienced this in some degree or form. But, you know, looking at, you know, some of their struggles, people don't broadcast that. I mean, it's not that they don't tell people that they're going through it. It's just it's not something that they put on Facebook, you know, necessarily as, you know, hey, I'm proud that I'm going through this or whatever the case be. Now, granted, yeah. there are some that do that, but by and large, 
you would find that most people keep that close to the chest in terms of if it's being a private battle with them and family, you know, involved and whatnot. But, and I would think that would kind of be the same context in which something like that would, you know, how it would be approached or how it would be dealt with. Just like anything. I I really, I, it just goes back to, I really just think that the government should just stay out of everything. The more the government gets, the more they keep their nose out of it. Because you're just like, I think what you were about to say is anytime the government gets involved, things go to shit yeah and i just don't want the government involved in anything no i would be perfectly fine if we went to the states being able to decide like i get what they were doing with roe i really do i get i get the point of roe and roe had its place but i I think that we're now we're to the point where we've evolved as a as a nation and as a people we've evolved past row and now it's at the point where okay obviously we feel like abortions should be made available but it should be rare and it should be when necessary so i guess what i'm what what i'm getting at is anytime that you can trickle down the government to the lowest level possible if you could make that a local decision that's municipality to municipality, I'd be more than happy to, to, to do that. But I think that would get too convoluted, too watered down yeah. and things like that. So I think it should just go state to state. Whatever, whatever the state wants to do should be what the state wants to do. And uh, not getting too far off topic, but I really do think that if New York and California – wouldn't have gone so extreme with their abortion laws to where they went to Christ you can abort a baby all the way up until right before it's born yeah you, you know and yeah. it, and that and it's perfectly legal i i think that if they hadn't have gone so far in that direction then states like Texas and Mississippi wouldn't have gone so far extreme the other direction to where you really can't have an abortion it's cause in, in and effect state. it yeah. really is cause and effect i mean if i mean in in the eyes of somebody that sees a potential threat yeah they're gonna draw the the lines f- a lot further back from the border you know what i mean is that they're they're gonna establish their lines a lot further back away from the front lines as much as they can so that there's yeah you know that's just natural tendency and i think but um but yeah i i really <laughs> i don't know how we got on that but well, it it always we we rabbit trailed yeah. <laughs> as we as we normally do but so what we were talking about is the don't say gay bill and i could see how we rabbit trailed to where we are but yeah yeah but i i really what i what i think we wanted to aim at today is just where um culturally we have arrived at this point where um, we get very the culture gets up in arms when certain topics are in their mind being questioned yeah but yet holistically um, holistically if you look at it everything's being threatened in terms yeah. of conversation and I think that's what's being missed in a lot of this and the reason why I like this whole, you know, I wouldn't say I like, but the reason why I think this situation with Chris Rock and Will Smith 
even though everybody has talked about it ad nauseum for the last week yeah, or so. My wife's pretty over it. Yeah, I, everybody is. I mean, I was listening to a podcast, Fly on the Wall, with uh, Dana Carvey and um, um, uh, David Spade. They know Chris Rock pretty well. Yeah. Both of them do. Well, they had an interview with him, but prior to the whole incident, there was an interview, which was interesting. But um, one of the things that uh, Dana or David Spade even said, he's like, I'm just tired of talking about this thing. And it's yeah. like, and we're only talking a couple of days into the event. He's like, he's already tired of people talking about it, you know, because it's just, it's, it's old already, but there's some questions, some bigger looming questions that have kind of evolved or developed out of the, yeah, out of the, what has progressed or come out of, you know, the whole situation. And I think that's worth really looking into in the context of, where we're going culturally. Um, um, one of the things I really started throwing some time into researching is just um, how sentiments have changed in the last couple of years. Uh, one within within the university scope, university oh, yeah. and colleges. Um, Safe spaces, whatnot. Yep. One also within the realm of uh, entertainment, comedy, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but these those are two particular areas that I kind of focused in on because there's some interesting developments, things that are coming out in light of, you know, I think this this event with Will Smith is kind of like a topper. Should point. I just play the clip real yeah, quick? Go just, ahead. So uh, just to set it up, there was 95 percent of the. Uh, what was it? The Oscars? Yes. The yes, Oscars. Yes. 95% of the Oscars um, went on without a hitch. There was a two-minute period yeah. that, that kind of took the air out of the whole night. So to set this up, uh, Chris Rock is, has, is just coming up on stage to kind of segue between awards. Um, and as anybody that's ever watched one of these award shows, there's kind of some banter in between presenters and things like that. And Chris Rock's job as the host is kind of to poke the celebrities um, and almost roast them. Not yeah. really. These are these are softball jokes. Um, but anyway, um, so th this is. Um, it's not like Ricky Gervais. Yeah, this there. is. Yeah, it's not like Don Rickles at a at a <laughs> at a. Uh, um, what are the what were the, the Comedy Central roasts? The this Friars one, Club, or Dean whatever it was. Dean Martin roast. Those things were, those things were cutthroat. So this they is, could be. It, yeah, it's not even on those lines. But anyway, uh, this is Chris Rock leading up to what what has been deemed the slap heard around the world. You know who's got the hardest job tonight? Javier Bardem and his wife are both nominated. Now, if she loses, he can't win! <laughs> he is praying that Will Smith wins. Like, please, Lord! Jay, so there's, I love you. Uh, you can't see the video, so right there, Will Smith is smiling, laughing, having a good old time. And the, what, what Chris Rock is segueing into is he's kind of poking fun at this other couple. So it just goes to show that it's not like Chris Rock targeted Jada yeah. and wasn't, wasn't picking on anyone else. This, he's just going around the room and so on and so forth. He is praying that Will Smith wins. Like, please, Lord. 
And that's where it segues into Will. I love you. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. All right? Now, stop it right there. That's the joke. Yep. That's that's the joke that Will Smith is up in arms about. Uh, But not initially. No, no. Right there, I paused on the frame. You could see it. He's smiling and laughing about it right now. It's not until Jada looks over at him and gives him the wife eyes and is like, you better do something about this. <laughs> right there. She's, she's not smiling. <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh-oh. See how... All right. And now Will Smith is coming up on stage. Real quick, I don't want to keep pausing, but that just goes to show you that's how long it took for him to get offended over that joke. Yep. If that was such an offensive joke... Why did it take him 10 seconds to get out of his seat? Yep. If it was that offensive, I'd have been out of my seat right away. <laughs> walks up, slaps. Oh, wow. Wow. Walks back, turns his back right Will on Chris Rock. Smack the shit out of me. And everybody thought this was staged at this yep. point. And wow, now everybody's like, dude. wait a minute. Now everybody realizes it it's real. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, Awkward okay. silence. Dead space. That was the greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. Now, another thing, that was it. Another thing I want to just point out is the composure yeah. of Chris Rock. He was he was like heads there, and shoulders. Yeah, there's no way that you could handle that any better than than what the dude just got slapped in the mouth, and that whole that whole auditorium is just dead silence, just dead silence. I cu- I couldn't even imagine how awkward. Man, that would just be so. Bad. And then you know, and it's crazy to think because was it Ricky Gervais that they've had do the Oscars? Oh yeah. And Ricky yeah. Gervais does not pull punches. Nope. Well, there was that whole viral clip of where he just went off in the last the last year that he did it, whether it was the Oscars or Academy yeah. Awards, and he just let loose on everybody there. Oh man, he was like even I, I remember them showing clips of the facial expressions of some yep. people like Tom Hanks and yeah, some others. Yeah, Tom Hanks became a meme <laughs> because of his reaction. He's like, oh shit. <laughs> everybody was like, kind of like, oh. This is like it felt like an intervention, and Ricky Gervais was the psychologist or whatever. <laughs> and we we act like that was forever ago. Yeah, that was what 2018, 2019. Yeah, it was just a few years ago. Just a few years ago, yep. Ricky Gervais was actually roasting people. Yep. And now like Will hardcore. Smith. Hardcore. That was a that was a softball fucking joke, man. Yeah. That was a that was an underhand pitch. But we uh, like you pointed out. I mean, nothing really happened or was going to happen until Jada. Yeah, Jada made, gave him the eyes. Yep. And is like, you better do something about this. But, you know, and I'm just, I started thinking about this. And, you know, there's there's a huge amount of hypocrisy on Jada's part because I don't know if people are aware of their marital construct, but apparently she believes that she can go sleep around with mm-hmm. anybody. Uh, at any given time and Will's you know supposed to be okay with that I'd be interested to know if he's really okay with that well they did it I don't I don't know what okay we'll put it this way in the public sphere he's okay with it 
they've done interviews where he's yeah. talked about that's what I yeah how he's all right with it and this is the life they live and she's allowed to do what she wants and she's a strong independent woman and he's basically given her permission to do whatever she wants yeah now let's also talk about the fact that the person that she cheated on him with was one of her son's friends <laughs> that's a little weird yeah like Pornhub material yeah um but yeah it's I don't want to knock anybody's way of life. Everybody yeah. everybody has a, a, a choice to live whatever lifestyle they want to live as long as nobody's getting hurt and everything's consensual. But if it's not consensual and she's just cheating on yeah. Will, then she's a see you next Tuesday. But, I mean, where I'm going, and I don't know, I can't make they're all assumptions at this point, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying is that if that's the context in which – you know all this all this is going on like this is the background of everything you know yeah with everything that's going on i mean i would feel like there's something not being said there like you know is his will in an abusive relationship you know and, the- and, and that's a lot of the conversation that's going on and i would like to i would like to point the fact out that one I'm sure that this has been pointed out, but obviously Chris Brock is much smaller than Will Smith. Oh yeah, Will Smith is six one, six two. Yeah. Chris Brock is like five six, five seven, something like that. It doesn't matter. I mean, small guys can be scrappy. But my point is, is the way that Will Smith walks up, slaps the guy, and then just and immediately up. turns his back on him. He knew that Chris Rock wasn't going to do anything about it. He knew that Chris Rock wouldn't retaliate or hit him back or anything like that. He knew about it or else he wouldn't have turned his back and just started walking away. If I'm if I'm doing something like that, I'm even if I am open hand slapping a guy, which, you know, for something like that, I could I could see that happening. You just you, you bitch slap a guy to put him in his place, whatever. Uh, you know, macho toxic max. But not in that kind of context. No, you, no, you do that backstage, you do that out of the limelight. Yeah, you do that in the parking lot. You 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 do that out not in front of the entire Will Smith was putting on a spectacle. He was. For a reason. And the point I'm actually kind of circling back to here uh, steal a term from Saki. Um, I'm circling back to the fact that Will Smith has been shit on in the media for the past, I don't know how many years now, ever since the Jada thing came out. Yeah. He's been the whipping boy for Jada and the media in and of itself. This was an opportunity for Will Smith to assert some dominance over somebody. Yeah. And he knew that there'd be no consequences, at least not immediate consequences. Chris Rock wasn't going to swing back. If it were me and I'm walking up and I'm slapping a guy like that, then I'm I'm, I'm immediately jumping back into a defensive <laughs> stance. Yeah. You know, putting my hands up, like waiting for him. You know, I'm bobbing, weaving. You know, but at the same time, I don't. I really don't think Chris. If you know, because initially when we saw this, the, the immediate first thought is this has to be a PR stunt mm-hmm. or something, like. You know, because in acting, I mean, people take real hits, you know, for the sake of the... the well, if this wouldn't have happened, would anybody even be talking about the fucking Oscars? No. If if this particular two minutes... No. Nobody would even say a goddamn the Os- thing about it. The They're Os- dead. The Oscars have been in decline since forever. Yeah. This so. is the best PR yep. <laughs> that the Oscars has had so in for, 20 years. So there can be a lot of 
ideas as to why this came about, why this happened. Was it PR? We don't know. Was this real? It, it feels like it was real. Feels um, to me like it was real too. So, Chris Rock. Chris Rock has a lot of friends in the entertainment industry, and so far, like all of them, Sandler, Swade, yeah, or Swade, Spade, um, they've all pretty much come out and at least given the impression that this well look at jim carrey jim carrey was like oh he came out hard he was like if somebody ever came up and did that to me i'd sue them until next week i'd sue him the next the very next day for 200 million dollars he said because that viral clip is going to be forever yeah i'm forever going to be humiliated by that clip and he said i would win because there, there's no jury in the world that wouldn't no. understand the gravity. It was, it was physical assault. Yeah, in front of literally the it. Okay, that night it wouldn't been the world, but that thing has gone viral. Everybody in the world knows. Like, there's people in Cambodia right now. They're that are <laughs> looking on their phones watching Will yeah. Smith slap. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's because well, Will Smith is an international exactly uh, icon. You know, he has you know presence in everywhere just about everywhere that watches movies or western movies exactly but um exactly but that just i guess what we're i guess the the point that we're trying to transition into anyway is that our current climate and our current temperature in in our not only our country but our civilization uh, as a whole the human civilization has gotten to a point where this is this is where we're at. Yeah, everything's at such a high boiling point. Everybody's temperature. I think what it is is I'm gonna I'm gonna try to word it this way. Everybody's temperature is raised to the point. Have you ever have you ever done the science experiment in high school where they try to you try to boil distilled water? Distilled water will not boil. It, you can heat it up to two two twelve or 100 degrees Celsius or whatever, and it'll it'll just sit there heating. It won't actually boil. But if you then throw a grain of salt, yeah, into the into that water, it'll it'll there'll be a a huge reaction, and it'll yeah. just all of a sudden start boiling incredibly fat at a fast rate. I think we're the distilled water, where everything is just hot, and we're just at that volatile point. And as soon as a grain of salt gets thrown into the mix, the, it just boils and boils over just just because that's where we are as a society. Well, interesting enough, kind of the segue from what you're saying, um, uh, Chris Rock had a um, an event uh, that he was scheduled to do at the Laugh Factory in California, and they changed their billboard sign uh, in lieu of the event to say that the Laugh Factory stands with Chris Rock in in defense of first amendment rights and yeah. the the right to be able to say things. And I think that's, that's kind of the underlying context of this whole situation is that, um, you know, maybe, maybe what I, and I'm giving them probably more benefit of the doubt than I should, but maybe what Chris said was at the right moment or rather the wrong moment. Maybe sure. there was enough tension there already from yeah. previous, whatever that kind of tipped things over. You know, to your point, yeah. maybe this was Will's tipping point. That's where what I mean by the boiling water is his temperature was just so high from all the humiliation that he's gone through that this last joke and Jada giving him the eyes or whatever it was, was just he didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. So the only thing the only thing that he could do is walk up and slap the guy because he wanted to 
he wanted to save face a little bit. He yeah. wanted to sh- show Hollywood, hey, you best keep your name. But he didn't keep- save face. He yeah, actually he he damaged. He damaged himself more from that event. But it was a. It was like a, a high school. Yeah. Decision. It's just that at in you know in the middle of the lunchroom is when you smack the bully. Yeah. Where everybody can see it, so that they know not to fuck with you. Yeah. And I think that's what it was. It was yeah. more quit. Quit fucking with me. I'm I'm sick of being poked and prodded, and everybody making fun of me and my family. I'm 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 sick of it. It was a statement, not just for Chris Rock. If it was a statement for Chris Rock, his fist would have been closed. Yeah, it wouldn't have been an open face slap. It was a message for everyone else, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he could have done a lot more damage. Is really what it yeah. comes down to. It could have got. It could have been worse. Is could have tackled him. Could yeah, have, it could have know. turned into a brawl. Yeah, and I expected. You, again, so much credit has to go to Chris Rock yeah. for keeping his composure because I can't say that my ego would be able to take a slap to the face from Will Smith in front of the world yeah. and me not retaliate in some way. Yeah. You know, even even if it's to joke back. Like he didn't even joke back. He was just trying to defuse the situation. All right, I'm not going to talk about your wife anymore, man. It was a GI Jane joke, dude. <laughs> you know, like yeah. It, it, it wasn't that calm, calm down i didn't call your wife a fat pig it's not like i'm ronnie dangerfield up here <laughs> you know saying the most offensive thing well then then you have that stupid uh senator what's her face the one who's le- she's bald um i can't even think of her name but anyway she maybe she's in the house of reps and she posted some tweets saying oh will did exactly what he should have done and yeah then she got flack about it and discreetly took it off yep. of her feed like, and that's the next dangerous day. Yeah. that's dangerous here's another point i want to make what is this going to do to comedy how many people like how many people saw will smith smacking the shit out of chris rock and now if they get offended at a comedy club or somebody says the wrong thing at a comedy club or at a comedy show or at a festival or something like that and they just walk up on stage and smack the comic or worse well, that's because why, of the example that's been set now. Well, and that's why I think this should be called the smack heard around the world. Yeah. You know, that's what they are calling it, the slap oh, heard around the world. Um I I was doing some digging into Chris Rock and some others and um there was uh, an interview that they did with Chris back in 2014 um and this just kind of goes hand in hand with some of this conversation, and this will kind of expand it out a bit too. Um, there was a guy by the name of Frank Rich. I can't remember who he's with, but he did an interview with Chris Rock. And one of the questions he asked is, what do you make of the attempt to bar Bill Maher from speaking at Berkeley for his riff on Muslims? And he, his exact verbatim was, it's the only religion that acts like the mafia that will fucking kill you if you say the wrong thing, draw the wrong picture, or write the wrong book. You know, Bill Maher's not one demands words when he doesn't like something. So this is 2014. Um, this is this is Chris's response to the question. He says, well, I love Bill, but I stopped playing colleges, and the reason is because they're way too conservative. Now listen, yep. in their political views, he gets asked this question, in their political views, not in their political views, not like they're voting Republican, but in their social views and their willingness not to offend anybody. Kids raised on a culture of we're not going to keep score in the game because we don't want anybody to lose or just ignoring race to a fault. You can't say the black kid over there. No, it's the guy with the red shoes. You can't even 
be offensive on your way to being inoffensive. So basically he was just saying, I don't do colleges anymore because they're becoming completely intolerant of any language whatsoever. It's, it's, it's almost like it's boiling down to this very narrowed um, acceptance of what constitutes acceptable language and what is not acceptable language and whatnot. Um, later on, there was a, a year later, there was an interview with Jerry Seinfeld. Yep. He um, doesn't play college campuses anymore either. Um, like Chris Rock and Larry the Cable Guy, Jerry Seinfeld avoids doing shows on the college campuses. And while talking with ESPN's Colin Coward on uh, uh, Thursday, the comedian revealed why college kids today are too politically correct. He says, I hear that all the time. This is Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld said on The Herd with Colin Coward, I don't play colleges, but I hear a lot of people tell me, don't go near colleges, they're so PC. Seinfeld says teens and college-age kids don't understand what it means to throw around certain politically correct terms. They just want to use these words. That's racist, that's sexist, that's prejudice, he said. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. The funny man went on to recount a conversation he and his wife had with their 14-year-old daughter, which he believes proved his point. My wife says to her, well, you know, in the couple, next couple of years, I think maybe you're going to want to want to be hanging around the city more on the weekends so you can see boys, Seinfeld recalled. You know what my daughter says? She says, that's sexist. That's sexist. Coward pointed out the flack comedian Louis, Louis C.K. received after his controversial appearance on Saturday Night Live last month, further proving Seinfeld's point. Louis' great gift is that he doesn't worry, just does his thing, he said, and Seinfeld's not scared to make his point either. If I wanted to say something, I would say it. But for now, Seinfeld will stick to covering the topics that he feels he can make humorous, PC or not. I talk about the subjects I talk about because for some reason I can make them funny, he said. The ones I can't ma make funny, you don't hear. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's just two people, and Chris Rock being one of them, that, you know, just a couple years prior to this are stating the sentiment that, you know, they're, they're seeing that there's a shift in the culture. There's a shift in the culture to where they're becoming less and less forgiving of any language that they consider um, deprecated. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I It brought me back to that movie V for Vendetta. Yeah. Um, do you remember that uh, Gordon Dietrich was the, the guy who ran the television? Um, He's a comedian. He's a British comedian. I can't think of his actual name. He used to act with the guy that plays House. Oh. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, yep. I know exactly who you're talking um, about. But the, the character Gordon Dietrich works in a British news network. Um, he makes he made this show about the Chancellor. Chancellor, I can't remember, Adam Sutler, um, is the guy who the, the big Hitler-esque type oh, okay. head of the, the government at that point. So they make this show about Adam Sutler um, and Evie, who is played by Natalie Portman, asks, what will he do? He gives non-serious answers. Gordon, what are they going to do? Fine us? Big deal. We've got the most watched show on air. Well, you're my agent. Evie, is everything a joke to you? Gordon, only the things that matter. Evie, what if they come after you? Gordon, I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'll have to make some kind of apology, do some boring fundraiser. In the meantime, our ratings will go through the roof. It'll be fine. Trust me. And, of course, we know what ends up happening is that very same night, um, you know, he gets black bagged and drug off to some location unknown and yep. basically killed. Um, what, you know, that's it, it. That's how it feels. 
yeah in the grand scheme of things how it's going but the more i dig into this the more you know i was doing some reading about what the thoughts are with regards to the universities and colleges because that's where a lot of this kind of centers around um this this whole cultural because it's not like it's the baby boomer generation it's not even like the comedians the comedians that we're referring to these guys are now seasoned oh chris rock david Mount spade Rushmore. um seinfeld. sandler seinfeld. seinfeld is the the number one comic of all time if, if you're just going simply by ticket sales and money made the money he made off his his tv show I don't think anybody's made more money in no. comedy than Jerry Seinfeld. No. A show about nothing. And yeah. They they made an absolute fortune on that show. He, he especially. He made a billion dollars, I think, off of that show. That's crazy to think. So, so it's like... And, Jerry, and I'm kind of flustered because this pisses me off. Uh, comedy clubs are one thing. You, you know, you go to a comedy club, you, you expect to... that. I mean, you're going into their territory, so I get... You know, if you come to um, if you come to a college campus, that maybe you're going into the other person's territory. But college campuses used to be the bread and butter for comics. Yeah, like I remember when I went to Penn College in Williamsport, we would have comics. Like I saw Mike Birbiglia. Yeah, Mike Birbiglia was at Penn College in fucking Williamsport. I saw <laughs> Bruce Bruce there. Okay, so I mean, these are not like these are big name comics yeah it wasn't like nobody Stephen lynch yeah Stephen lynch was there you know george carlin came to the community arts center in williamsport oh really yeah know. but okay. the, i mean the my point is is that these college campuses were a way for comics to to tour the country and make a little bit of money like um like a cover band or some shit yeah. going bar to bar to bar yeah. it was a way for them to hone their skills and make a little bit of money doing it and college kids used to love it. Now, you you can't say boo on a college campus without somebody being offended by it. Well, I think one of the things that comes up is, you know, whether or not it's the schools themselves promoting this or whether it's the culture. And I think that's one of the things I looked at. I, I was reading through an article through the Virginia Law Review uh, where it's 27 pages worth of stuff, so I'm just gonna no, I get you. synopsis. But the the understanding, I also read it, just to give it context, I read an article from The Atlantic and some others dealing with the idea of freedoms of speech on public campuses. And everything that I read through um, gives me the impression like the schools themselves are not restricting the speech itself. It's the students it's the students that are changing to a point to where they're the ones that are spearheading these changes. Um, there was there was a there's a group called Fire, and I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but basically they look through um, events that are scheduled at college campuses around the United States, and they look at you know specifically they look at controversial or people that would be considered controversial that get invited to speak. So say like. Um, uh, say Ben Shapiro or, you know, say, um, you know, I Milo yeah, that guy, whatever he actually, you. he was brought up. Yeah. But he, he spoke at a, a college in Seattle, I think it was, and it turned into a riot or whatever the case yeah. be. And, you know, it, there's, there's, there's tons of instances in which has happened, but they said that out of the 
several, however many thousands of events that had been scheduled with supposed, you know, in their terminology, you know, controversial speakers, there were only 10 or 11 instances in which they were canceled. Okay. So, and this is recent, this is like within the last couple of years. So the, the statistically speaking, if to look at it from that perspective, it's not the administration itself that's really putting the hammer down on that stuff. It's the students because then you start to dig into it and you see that, you know, there were riots and there were threats and there were bodily harm threats and there were, you know, things that transpired as a result of the students losing their absolute fucking mind and their composure with regards to the people that were coming to speak because, um, like, Chicago University actually posted something back in 2017 to the extent that you know we are not going to cancel controversial speakers from coming here to speak because we believe it's it's necessary for you to be able to see the other side of the yep. aisle in order to develop which is a good policy no it is it, it, it's it, it's a perfect policy that's freedom of speech you know 101 however however deeply held you believe your beliefs and your 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 uh, morals or your what's the word your values, however deeply seated you think those are, um, you still want them to be challenged. That way, that lets you know how how deep those values run. If if those values and and your beliefs aren't challenged, then you really don't know how much you actually believe your what you what you think you believe if that makes any sense yeah because if you think about this if let's say you lived you grew up in a i'll just pick a religion in a mormon household and you were homeschooled and all you ever were exposed to was what you were allowed to be exposed to so to speak when you are then released out into the world and you see the world as it actually exists outside of your echo chamber or your bubble, so yeah. to speak, then all of a sudden the world would appear to be a very scary place because it's exactly the opposite of everything that you've ever been taught. Yeah. When it's when it's really more you would see things in black and white when the world is plaid if that makes any sense yeah. like there's nothing in the world that makes any sense whatsoever and you've been told that everything fits into a neat little box in one way or another whether it's christianity um, mormonism judaism all of them they all have their boxes but if you don't if you don't challenge those beliefs then you then you don't really know how deeply they they actually even even something as important as the first amendment how far does the first amendment really actually go do you have the the right to say absolute whatever you want to say well no because slander and libel are a thing you know we you have to challenge you have to challenge every every belief whether 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 it's mainstream or not whether it's widely held or not even even the concept of freedom of speech needs to be challenged because there are edges that you can carve off of that are applicable to a civilized society. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, it does. And, um, but one of the things that I guess what I'm trying to get at is it, it, um, I think the problem is not so much with 
the more you, the more you dig into this situation, the more you dig into what's developing, I think that you see that there's a larger problem that's developing within the younger generation of this country, um, by and large. And a lot, of, a lot of it can be seen within the context of the university setting, within the university campus setting. And it's not so much that the schools, like I pointed out, that are restricting their ability to talk and interact with those of opposite views. It's the fact that they've been so ingrained with this idea that any opposite views, contrary to their own, cannot be right. Yeah. And I think that's where this is going. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm not going to say what the organization was. but no, I, I get you. I worked for an organization when I was just out of about two to three years out of high school. And um, they're, they're kind of – they were involved in working in the inner city schools and they were involved with dealing with uh, social projects in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the city, the context of the city. Um, but there was mostly the, the entire group of us, I think there was like 100 or 200 of us, were all like college age, you know, in college, getting out of college, just getting into college, so to speak. And interesting enough, I remember we would have these powwows, I called them, but these um, community meetings were at different locations where we would discuss topics. To me, it felt less like being made aware of something and more like trying to indoctrinate sometimes. But that yeah, was, yeah. that was my feeling at that time. But there was a specific instance. Uh, there was a girl I became, um, friends with, um, that she was going to Cornell university to get her Juris doctorate. She was going to become an eternity in eternity in attorney. Sorry. Words are still hard this week. I don't know what the deal words is. Are hard. Words are hard, but she was going to Cornell to become an attorney um, and, you know, this isn't a group of her peers, about 150, 160 of us, and they were talking about, um, you know, rights for people that are, you know, gay and so to speak, and just some of the problems that have developed around, you know, what we would consider, um, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just how people were being treated and you know, for their beliefs and how they lived and all that kind of thing. And she stood up in front of everybody and she just basically said, I actually marched in a march quite a few years ago because there was um, an incident where somebody was beaten badly or killed as a result of them, you know, living as a gay person, you know, living that type of life. And she said, I marched with them because that was wrong. It was wrong for what they did. It was wrong how they treated that person. It was wrong. Whatever ideology brought that person to the point where they felt it was okay to harm that person, it was dead wrong. Yes. But she said, that still doesn't change the way I feel with regards to the lifestyle itself. Yeah. And she was, she was like point on. I mean, she was like, I am making, I am making you aware of how I feel about it. But I still feel that what they did to that person is wrong. Yeah. And to me, that was like, that's the middle ground. Yes. That is the middle ground to where we'll always, you know, depending on the culture that we come up in, religion that we're exposed to, values, ethics, morals, whatever the case be, everybody's going to come at this with a different approach, you know, um, 
like in India, you know, you may have a patriarchal society that is just very demeaning of the person themselves for trying to live a lifestyle outside of the norm of the culture. Um, or any country for that matter, whether it be China, well, China, especially China, China, you know, you know, you want to, everybody tries to praise this country, but China is the biggest violator of human rights when it comes to people of any, any religious walks of life or any, you know, you, you try, try to try to live as a gay person in China. Yeah. You, you won't get far. No. Like even, even in like Iran, they'll throw you off a roof. Oh yeah. So, you I know. mean, the United States is by far the safest place you can live. I, I would say that the United States is probably, if you're being openly gay, the United States is, is your home. Yeah. That's where you want to be. Yeah. Cause even in fucking Texas, you, you might get a, you might get a comment yeah. Every now and again, yeah. or but you, you don't have to worry about being. Well, I'm I'm sure that it could happen because it's happened in in the past. But nobody's gonna chain you to their truck and drag you across the highway. And they were like isolated instances yeah. when these things it happened. Does happen. And they were deranged human beings that would do this kind of thing. These weren't. Yes. This wasn't a common daily occurrence. Exactly. But where in Iran, yeah, a guy exactly. that, a guy that owns a bagel shop might might tie you up and toss you off a building yeah because he doesn't that's just sharia sharia law feel like they're it's the right thing to do and it's not it's it's wrong humans are human beings are human beings so i mean my point is is that we in the united states i i've always been a firm believer of the idea that you can't legislate what you deem as morality you cannot legislate it however you can legislate protections of people sure. against one another. Sure. And that's the underlying... I remember Justice Rehnquist years ago doing uh, kind of a, a one-on-one with a class of Yale graduates, you know, for uh, law school, said, you know, what's the underlying premise of all the law? It's a protection of harm or protection against harm against people. And that's really what it comes down to. But the problem is, is what we're gre- what we're evolving into is where we're now stating that speech is harm. Yeah. And we're getting back to that point Words again. are violence. Words there was are... a lot of... In, in, the, in the comment sections of these Will Smith videos, a lot of people are saying things like, well, making fun of a person with uh, under, under, underlying disability yeah. is not okay. I'm, I'm sorry, but yeah, it is in the in the grand scheme of things it may not be it may not be the polite thing to do it may not be the socially acceptable thing to do but for comedy to be comedy you have to cross those barriers yeah. that are not necessarily acceptable to cross at one point if a comedian would use a curse word he would have been blackballed. Yeah. And and the the fights that that people have had the first amendment fights that comedians have had to take to get where we are today it started with knock knock jokes and shit like that and being able to being able to say racy things on TV. If you go back and watch like early early black and white Carson 
um, the comedians that he would have on on the program, in my opinion, were not funny because yeah. they were they were they were they were censored. They were trimmed and trimmed and watered down. And like it wasn't until Rodney Dangerfield found a way, and George Carlin did it too in his early career. They found a way to 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 push the envelope without being raunchy. Yeah. And 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 then that kind of led to your Eddie Murphys and your Richard Pryors. But at any rate, the the overarching point that I'm trying to make is when you start dictating what can and cannot be made fun of, then then let's not even have comedy at all because now you're going to be tiptoeing. And I, I agree that there are some things like I I don't even agree with that. I was going to say there are things like you don't you don't want to make fun of like nine eleven. But at the same time, there's there's some room there for comedy. Like you, the yeah, the idea is is that it's there. There's always going to be people that find certain subject matter to be distasteful. Yeah, and maybe even further than that, offensive. Yeah. Um. But that's the whole underlying premise of freedom of speech is that yes. it protects the offensive language. Even the ACLU who we know historically stands, you know, if you want to talk politically, stands on the left side of things. Yes. Pretty However, high. however, they have defended and still to this day have defended the KKK's right to display symbols and to march and do that. Why would they do that? Yeah. You know, I, he, I agree. I agree with that to a point. They've they've changed their stance now. If you look at on the ACLU's website, then they're no longer taking on um, the protection of speech the way that they once did. But they once there was a, a Jewish lawyer that actually was the one that defended the the KKK in Chicago when they wanted to do the parade and the the speech and the Chicago. I don't remember what suburb it was, but they denied their permit and a Jewish lawyer. No, it was Nazis. A Jewish lawyer <laughs> represented neo-Nazis in Chicago yeah. in order to get their parade approved because it was, in his mind, it was more important for the championship of freedom of speech. It was more important to fight for their right to parade than it was to fight the content of their propaganda or, yeah. or whatever you want and it's to not and again you know we've talked about this subject matter before it has nothing to do with how distasteful and how offensive and how wrong the kkk yes. is morally and ethically i mean there's no doubt in my mind but also you could you could make the same case for like i'm gonna go back to tipper and al gore back in the 90s they Trying were they were the, the music poster child for that kind of started the whole ratings yep. craze on video games and music and all that kind of stuff. They, I mean, these are two well-known Democrats, you know, that fought hard tooth and nail to censor uh, stuff. That, and here's the thing is it always comes back to that. It's like, then just don't freaking listen to it and don't watch it. Don't to, play it. You know, it's to kind of counter that. I mean, it was bipartisan. 
the 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 ratings thing. I'm just saying they no, would get, point, I get the point saying, people for but what was, um, Dick Cheney's wife. What the hell was her name? I don't remember. Uh, but at any rate, she was in on it too. Like they they wanted to censor music yeah. to the point where if they would have gotten their way, you wouldn't even be able to buy those albums in the store. Frank Zappa in that fight. Just a, a quick little neat little story. Frank Zappa has an album that was completely in, instrumental but because of that fight it has a parental advisory sticker on it it has it has if you go to the store and you buy it it has a parental advisory sticker on it but the whole album is instrumental there's no words so that that's how far they took that to try to censor music i mean we've come we've come to a point to where we've we're okay with the parental advisories because in our minds, we, you know, from a parental standpoint, the parents that were unaware of what anything was, like, you know, in a in a parent's mind growing up in the 80s, there was no concern for video games because no. video games were so bland and, yeah. you know, there was nothing to be concerned about. But Until the 90s hit and you had Mortal Kombat. And then and further on, stuff. GTA, Grand yeah, Theft Grand Auto. Grand Theft Auto where you're beating hookers and yeah. stealing their money. So, and this is actually a good rap back. Um, you know, a, a circle back um, to the the don't say gay bill, per, the parent the parental rights thing. I believe in the rating system. I don't agree with censoring music. No, but I agree with the rating system that you can, like on TV when they have the TV seven or the Y seven or the TV fourteen or yeah. the TV MA. I'm all for that. Like the rated R, the rated PG. It's transparency. I, I'm all for that. Yeah. Tell me, tell give me a give me an idea of what I'm walking into, so I'm not taking my kid to see Porky's <laughs> without knowing. Oh, Porky, Porky Pig. The, yeah, y- you know what I mean. You don't think you're that way. You get a gauge. Oh, why is Looney Tunes rated R? Maybe we shouldn't go see. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. But even even that's all. Yeah, that, folks. That's what I mean. Like so you, so I'm all about the ratings, but don't don't kill the movie. Yeah. Don't don't kill the album. Slap a rating on it. Don't 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 force. Don't make it so that they're not allowed to make Grand Theft Auto, but slap a slap a mature seventeen label on it. Oh, it should be twenty one if you really want yeah. my opinion. But you know what I mean. Slap yeah. a rating on it so that parents can gauge whether or not their seven year old should be able to play the game. It's it's not. Parents should play play the the album through before their kids listen to it, or play the movie through before they let them watch it. But who has time for all that? Yeah. So those ratings help. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things though. It really gets into some interesting um, topics about how people posture themselves alongside of other people of different viewpoints. It it really gets down to, and I'm thinking of it in this context. So. You have a really ultra conservative Christian person here, and then you have a really not conservative person or somebody that's just very open minded about everything over here. So how do those two live next to each other in in a real world? You know, if they are going to interact with each other, it's like, well, in order for politeness and compromise. Yeah, I I mean, really is how it comes down to. But I mean, there's going to be things that this person over here has 
very strict moral, ethical, whatever that's guiding them. And, you know, and it's not even to say that the person over here on the left doesn't have very strict moral and ethical things guiding just them. Just in a different... It's just... Yeah. But the... And I think that's really what's developing is that um, if you have these two people, they can they can coexist because they understand that for one or the other to have individual rights, they both have to have individual rights. Exactly. Now, that requires two brain cells to rub together to understand that, to look at in the grander context. It's like you were saying with the Jewish attorney that defended the KKK. You know, I'm sure in his heart of hearts, in his his moral he would have loved his moral compass, it. he would yeah. have loved to see them burn and rot and yep. you know and not be able to and speak. not be able to speak at all. But if you look at it from a holistic standpoint, you understand that you have to defend some of the most disgusting people sometimes in order to make sure that you're never on that side of the stick yep. one day. It's not it's not the speech. I can't remember the exact quote, but it's not the speech that everybody agrees with that you need to protect. It's the speech that everybody hates. Yes, that's the that's the the underlying theme is that uh, our freedoms are only as good as, and I'm going to put this into, <laughs> as the grace that you're willing to extend to the other side of the aisle, yes. is really yeah. what it boils down to. Yep. If there's not a certain level of mercy and grace in in the way that we relate to one another. Even in a, in a secular context, I'm not talking spiritual things. Yeah. I'm just talking in a secular no, context. If conservative Christian A is not willing to deal with per liberal B over here, and some you know in be willing to understand that that person has totally different views than you, but yet your willingness to protect their ability to believe what they protects your ability to stand yep. where you stand. And I can't speak for the ultra-leftist liberal person, but I can speak for the Christian conservative. And if you're a Christian conservative and you're a true Christian conservative, then you have no right to judge the ultra-liberal no. person. It's right in there in the red words. you got to read the red ones, yeah. too. <laughs> Not just the black ones. you got to read the red words. The man himself said... That you need to accept everybody. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not as well versed on my Bible verses. I get the gist. But he said that you're supposed to love your enemies and tr and invite yeah. them into dinner and treat them as you would treat your own. It's not your. It's not your place to judge them. No. They'll, they'll be judged on in their own time. Yeah. That you. It's not up to you to judge. And you're not supposed to flaunt your religion in their face, and you're not supposed to shove it down their throats. You're supposed to love them, treat them the way that you would want to be treated, which is something that's unique to Christianity. I don't mean to go too much on a religious thing, but every other philosophical belief system uh, and religion uh, say... Uh, to some extent. I yeah, mean, for, for the most part, treat others, treat others well... Or, or something along those lines, but Christianity says treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Yeah. And that's slightly different than... At any rate, I don't want to get too too deep into that. No, but, but if you're a good Christian, then you're not gonna you're not gonna hate on somebody because they're gay. You're not gonna like those uh, Baptist folks that would protest West military. Moreland. Yeah, would protest uh, the military funerals and say God hates fags. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does not. 
th- that you, then we're we're not talking about the same God. Yeah. Because my God loves everybody. Yeah. Sinners and sinners as well. Well, it's just I mean it's 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 that underlying idea is that you know restrictions in the context of our our country can happen from either side of the aisle. Um, because I, I look back at Woodrow Wilson during the 1920s. Woodrow Wilson put Wor- out edicts. Worst president ever. Yeah, put out mandates, you know, that stated that basically if you spoke up against the um, the United States involving themselves in World War One, you could be seen as a traitor and basically yeah. sent to jail and what else, you know? Uh, a lot of people conveniently forget that, you know, McCarthyism. Yep. You know, they forget that anybody that had a differing viewpoint. Now, I, I, I'm i going to be the first to say that communism and socialism have really no place in a free society, but people should still be allowed to read it, should yep. still be allowed to understand it, should still be allowed, you know, within certain confines, you know, be allowed to practice that. But yeah. that's their individual. That doesn't yeah. extend to the whole of the United States. Yep. You know, so, I mean, and I think about, like, some of the communes, that we've had, you know, in the U.S. that have kind of taken on more of the, the aura of being a, um, a cult more than anything. If you think about socialist communism, yeah. usually you go back to the 60s and 70s and think about things there. But then you go to Kent State, Kent State in Ohio, where people were pro- protesting the Vietnam War peacefully and four get killed. Yep, That is what happens when the right goes too far or the left goes too far people get killed and their rights get trampled as a result of it yeah and i think to my thinking back again to the incident with will smith and rock chris what was the dividing line between that incident it was the moment he smacked him it was the moment it became violent it was the moment that he felt that it was okay for him to hit him now Again, if it had been in the context of a private discussion, private yep, dispute, absolutely. it would have been different because it would have been Chris, you know, I and I'm imagining here, but Chris being like, Okay, I get you're pissed off, so let's yeah. let's 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 do this. You know, yep. let's you know, I know that you're pissed and the only way that you're gonna be happy after this or is somewhat reasonably, you know, satisfied with this outcome is that if you knock my teeth out or whatever the case be but not in the front of the entire world because basically what you're saying like to your point you're basically setting precedent that says that when you disagree with comedy that is deprecating to yourself or if you disagree with any kind of form of speech whatever that speech may be that you consider offensive you in your mind have the right to go and hurt that person because of something they said that's yep. the underlying protections of freedom of speech and i think that's where we got to be very careful and we've got to be louder than the culture that's developing within these universities absolutely we've got to be much louder you know these these kids that are growing up are yeah, I mean, it's 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 to the point, you know, we talk about it being safe space. Tell me how it's safe when you have a triggered mob that is ready to come after you for anything. How is that safe? Yeah. You know, I who was that guy? Brett Weinstein, the um, yeah, the the teacher out at Evergreen State College. Uh, is that in Seattle? Or Washington so. State somewhere so. in that general Portlandia area. 
Brett Weinstein, for those of you who don't know who he was, is is was a college emerit or a professor emeritus at this Evergreen College. He was in, I think he taught evolutionary biology. He was very much on the spectrum revered. of he was revered, he was respected, but he was on he was on the spectrum of liberal viewpoints. You know, that's where he stood, and he's very clear about that. That he that's where he stood on a lot of things. But there was a a um, a college-wide call. I don't know if the student body wanted it or if it was the 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 administration that called for it. But they wanted a day where basically white people were excluded from the college that entire day, where all white students would have to leave the campus. And he basically protested it. He wrote a very and there's there's record of the letter that he wrote to the administration. Um, just to to get to point get to the end of this basically he ended up running away from the college literally physically he and his wife because they were both teachers at the college they they were being hunted down by students um they 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 vandalized their vehicle because they thought they were in their car they were trying to find them this is what happens people when you have kids that are out of control literally kids that are out of control now i don't propose violence to solve the situation with them, to beget violence, violence, but at the same time, there needs to be some consequence. There needs to be some harsh consequence, whether it be jail time or fines or losing their scholarships or whatever the case be, you know, to set the standard that you do not act like fucking assholes, you know, to make a, a, a point. If you didn't like the fact that he didn't agree with this whole, then go and talk to him. Be a normal human being and go and talk to him. Be like, I disagree. You can even yell at him. You can yell at him. But the moment it becomes physically violent is the moment that you lose your rights. Yep. Because in my mind, that's the very same precedent that separates a citizen that's able to operate normally day to day and a prisoner. Yep. A prisoner loses their rights because at some point they decided to become violent or harmful in some regards or in some aspect. Yep. So when we start coddling that type of culture, which is what exactly we're doing, we're not calling that type of culture out. We're not telling these kids that you're fucking wrong. You're, you know, I don't hate you. I'm not going to harm you, but you are fucking wrong because you you have no right to go after somebody violently because you don't agree with because them. Because of, of an opinion or a belief. Exactly. Like, I can, I could see... Sorry, I get fired up no, about I, this. No, get fired up. That's that's the only way we're going to solve this kind of stuff. And this this used to be... What, what gets me is this used to be a champion of the left. This used to be... Yes, it used exactly. used to be the left that would be freedom of speech. And, yep. And you have the right... Like, like Daryl Davis... And I, I don't know. Are you familiar with Daryl Davis? He's no. a he's an African American gentleman um, that infiltrated the KKK. Okay. And he converted. I don't know how many dozens of KKK members. He's a he's a black guy that has a collection of like Grand Wizard robes and KKK huh. robes that people gave to him after they gave up gave up their life in the kkk because he's he's just a black guy that would sit down and talk to him and just over time having conversations with these kkk members he was able to change their mind and you know made them realize that there are decent black people out there and that 
you know, maybe their entire, they, he had them question their entire belief system and they gave up the KKK because of this guy point, point I'm getting at is had Daryl Davis not had the balls for that fight. And he, he defended the KKK's right to speak in many places, even though he was a black man and, and, and vehemently disagreed with everything that they stood for. He even got respect from the Grand Wizard down in Alabama or something like that. And it was mentioned in one of his speeches and he would go over to his house and, and have dinner with him. And and the the Grand Wizard of the KKK would come to his house and have dinner with him and his family. And the, the point is <laughs> they were they were people that were couldn't have been further apart on the political spectrum as far as this is a liberal black man and a conservative KKK member and they were able to sit at the same dinner table and have dinner together and everything was fine nowadays uh, Daryl Davis would be called an Uncle Tom yeah uh, or something along those lines and would be ridiculed for even sitting down with the other side yeah and and you're talking about there's people that couldn't have been further apart and they were able to have cordial conversations and he even converted a few of um, the KKK members to, to quit and stop going to the meetings and and turn their life around and things like that. How how is that a bad thing? Well, the different the the change in the scenarios that we're dealing with today is it's an ideological battle. Yes. It's not a race battle anymore. Although you have certain groups within the country that want to have us to believe that the race problem is worse than it is. Now, to preface that, we've already gone through this in detail. We know that there's still inadequacies in, you know, how things are dealt with. And sure. on that point, you know, we know that one of the things I'm I'm not against is that they're federally legalizing marijuana. This yeah. is this is the libertarian coming out yep. of me, is that I'm not against that because I know that there are a lot of African Americans, black guys and girls Hispanics. that are Hispanics that are in prison because of simple possession of marijuana possession with brown skin yeah and 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 we know that the numbers are disproportionate and that we've studied that we know it we understand it um you know we know that there's there's grievous disproportions in those and especially in that part of the world you know or in that part of our society so to speak but you know still i i'm still hardcore um believing that we we are far removed in terms of the racial inequities that we saw, or rather not inequities, but in inequalities that were being proposed back during the 40s and 50s and 60s well, and 70s. thank God we're not seeing dogs sicked on people exactly. and fire hoses for simply going to a restaurant. Exactly. You know? But I fear what's happening is now because it's become an ideological battle is that if we don't get our thumb on this pulse and if we don't start getting loud about what what is developing in these protected parts of our society so to speak that we're going to have a full-on out bullshit riot going on one of these days yeah you know you're already seeing the i mean the the riots that we see across the country are, are just the the beginning i believe um, you know, with the BLM protests, I have nothing against protesting and stuff like that. But, well, truth be told, I mean, if you really 
want to look at it, a lot of the BLM or riots that were labeled as BLM were actually happening as as a result of groups and interested parties that really yeah. weren't even there yeah. for the BLM. Now, I don't agree ideologically. And I'll just preface again, I don't agree ideologically with the organization and some of its positing standards, you know, how it how it foresee or sees things. At the same time, I don't blame the BLM for no. every single thing that happened no. during the course of 2021, 2022. Nope. I'm not that person. But I agree that there were parties involved because we saw the videos. There were yep. Antifa groups that yep. were trying to, you know, deep sell themselves into areas and trying to cause problems. And, you know, they were trying to, you know, get media, you know, to see things in a particular light or whatever the case be. Pushing we know that there was a lot of lies and rhetoric that were being tossed around. But, you know, and I think that's really what's going on is that we're only seeing one part of this 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 conversation. But I... Um, there's, there's just too much, there's too much, um, of a willingness. It would seem in this current day, and I'm talking 2022, I would say there's too much of a willingness in this current day to be okay with the concept of violence towards another person for their viewpoints. Yeah. In this country, you know, of all countries in the world, this country should be the one with the least number of incidents and should be the one setting the standard with that regard. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have people from Hollywood and people from The View and people from different media outlets like that Joy Reid, who's an absolutely disgusting human being on so many levels because constantly she's just like, oh, yeah, it's it's OK if. You know, I just foresee her being the either she's saying things to get ratings, or she's saying things because she's just gross. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, for somebody to just be that okay with, you know, somebody else being harmed or being spit at or being, you know, maliciously deprecated. You know, there's a difference between humorous deprecation and malicious deprecation. You know, and comedy like what Chris Rock was doing was humorous deprecation. Yeah, it was. It may have been ill-timed. Yeah. It may have not been as thought out maybe as it should. Maybe tone deaf. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you know. Maybe it was not the right place for. But I still I will maintain that that was a softball joke. That was like he was making fun of her haircut, not the fact that she <laughs> yeah. had alopecia. Yeah. You, you know. Context. Context. I mean, she's. It's not like he. It's not like she was missing an arm and he was making fun of her tennis playing skills, or you, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it, fair it, enough. It was. It was a softball joke. Um, I think the point that we're trying to make is is it, it. It's always been our stance here that we may not agree with um, a particular ideology or a particular set of beliefs, but we will defend to our death your right to have that belief and to voice it out loud. Yeah. Um, that's how I've always, um, you know, my, my opinions have always gone in that direction where, um, you know, I may not think the way that you do, but damn it, if you shouldn't be allowed to say what you want to say. So for, you know, all those protests, be it, whether it BLM protests or uh, the George Floyd protests, I'm all about the protests, but once you start, adding violence to those protests and burning down buildings 
and I'm not saying that any one group was responsible for that, but if you're, if you're, if I was holding an event and somebody attended my event and started tearing up the hotel ballroom that I've rented out for my event, I would stop those people and get them out of my event because I'm responsible for that event and my name is on that event. Yeah. So if BLM didn't want to be associated with riots, they should have stopped the rioters. Yeah. At some way. Or there should have been more public condemnation for it. Yeah. Something come, come out and say, Hey, you know, we're not, they're not with us. There, that 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 kind of stuff is not going to be tolerated at our protest. We have a message. We have we have uh, an agenda. We have things that we want to make happen, and that doesn't help our cause. Sad thing about just not for anything, but the sad thing about the BLM as an organization is, and then you start realizing that a lot of these co-founders are getting yep. rich yep. off of these things. You know, the one that they found had six or seven homes. Yep. You know, it's like, and they're being um, investigated for tax evasion and yeah. all kinds of other stuff. So this is, they're they're profiting, and um, I can't remember the number. Seventy to eighty-five percent of the board for BLM is white. Oh, is it? So they're profiting off of white people are making money off of the BLM well, it just, name. It just goes to show is it's all manipulation. Absolutely. It's it's absolute manipulation. It's like if you would just subscribe to the laws of the land as they're written, which means that all men are created equal, doesn't matter where you come from, what yep. your background, that all those created equal people are have the same equal right to talk to each other in some way, shape, or form as far as it doesn't include violence. Yep. Um, you know, then I think we would be <laughs> much yep. better space. But, you know, we we just we take everything to the nth degree. But, you know, not to get off onto separate rabbit trail, because I know we have to tidy up here in a second. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just, you know, all 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 things considered that we've talked about today. I was just thinking, how does this all play into this whole ESG stuff that we talked about last week? You know, how does this play into this whole stakeholder capitalism uh, do you have any thoughts on well i could say one thing for sure um like with what we saw at the oscars with will smith and and chris rock the way that that kind of stuff will tie into esg in my opinion is the way that you vote on that so to speak yeah. we, we've got a public controversy so if you take a side Let's say you take Chris Rock's side. Well, now to to kind of go the way that 2022 kind of works out, if you side with Chris Rock, then you automatically say it's okay to make fun of people with disabilities. That's that's how they would frame that. Um, you're 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 all right with you hate people with disabilities, and you're okay with making fun of them. If you side with Will Smith. Then the other side is going to say, okay, well, you are okay with violence um, being used um, in response to uh, rhetoric, which is somewhat true, but I, I, I don't think that's the case either. You can say, well, Will, Will Smith was just defending his his wife or whatever, so therefore it's somewhat justified, and I, I, 
I kind of get that point, but I don't agree with it. My my point is, they'll use the you'll they'll use something social like this to make one side against the other side. So yeah. you're you're picking teams, and then I think it would probably be if if I were to guess, it would be more socially acceptable to side with Will Smith and say that it's not okay to make fun of people with disabilities, which for the most part it isn't, but I don't want to say it should be outlawed. Y y you know what I mean? So they'll use that and drop your social score, and now you, you can't get a loan because you didn't you didn't pick the right side. Yeah. That's how I see this kind of stuff working out. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's just kind of a simplification of what, what it could turn into. And, you know, after... Uh, it just strikes me that how that there's there's such an underlying shift in sentiment, and we've talked about it ad nauseum today. Oh, I know. Um, a shift in sentiment with the upcoming generation yep. to be completely intolerant of anything that falls outside of their wheelhouse, so to speak, or anything that falls outside of their circle of acceptance, so to speak. To clarify, I think like... To, to integrate that into the corporate sense, the this Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, uh, maybe maybe companies will be urged to include um, verbiage in their HR documents that say that it's not okay to make jokes about people with disabilities in the workspace. Because the Academy Awards, that's the workspace for uh, actors. So, and then if your company doesn't adopt that doctrine of it's not okay to make fun of people with disabilities in the workspace even though everyone kind of agrees that that's not okay now you have to have a rule about it if yeah. you don't have a rule about it then all of a sudden your company's esg score goes down and people may not invest in your company if if your esg score is lower so there's a there's a more tangible way to tie that into that is i could see this turning into companies taking a side as they usually do, Disney will probably be first. Yeah, that's say, something I didn't bring up, but yeah. The, yeah, the, the, all the stuff that Disney's doing with the don't say gay um, and all that stuff. But it just, it, it, it goes to show that Disney is, you know, their, their, their stance is predicated on misinformation. Yeah. Literally. Yep. I mean, it, it's literally complete misrepresentation of anything that the bill has to do with, but yet they're willing to go to the nth degree to, you know, protect social justice. Yep. You know? Yep. And that's where I'm getting at with this is that, you know, when you have companies that large, that wealthy, that influential, that affect that many employees, that affect, you know, think about how many people are employed in the state of Florida with Disney's companies and parent companies and sister companies and all that kind of stuff. Think about that. And think about how many people, you know, if, if Disney suddenly decides that they're at odds with the, the, the people, because, you know, you think about it, Florida is voting the way it is because the people elected the people that are there voting the way that they are. So Disney is going against, in this particular case, against the wishes and the desires of the people in that country or yeah, country state. Yep. Um, but yet 
they're doing it in such a way as to present it in a way that's more pal- palatable to those that want to want to believe that that's what this is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, it, it nope, is. I get it. I mean, at the same time, at the same time, we, we can sit here and say that's misinformation. They're misrepresenting, but they still have a right to say that as yeah. an organization, Yep. which is annoying because, you know, who's going to listen more to who, you know, more people are going to listen to us or whoever else is or saying Disney. or Disney. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just an example. But um, I'm just saying is that corporations are being used as this leverage point, you know, cudgels, with cudgels you know, and, you know, if you have a culture of individuals coming up in the ranks into the workforce that are okay with those type of activities, those type of actions, those type of manipulative, you know, backhanded things because it is it, it quite literally is i mean th- these disney execs have have been very blatant about what their intents are and disney has always been seen as a safe place for young children yep because it's always been kind of aimed towards that younger age group you know and in it's terms always of, been milk toast yeah like it's always been right smack dab in the center of everything yeah for the most part and it's nothing to be a degree or disagreed or agreed upon yep. it's just it's just very innocent. It's fun. It's yeah. supposed to be fun. And now now they've drained all the fun out of Disney, and it's just like Disney employees are are. I don't know if they're suing the company or if they're just protesting, but there's a whole coalition of conservative Disney employees that don't agree with their opposition to the bill. Um, so they're going up against Disney and saying, "Hey, look, you can't keep taking these stances like this because you have a large." majority of your employee base that don't agree with your decisions yeah. and we're just silent about it because we're not like the other side that that you know not to play politics but there's one side that whines about their problems a lot more than the other side at least in my opinion and so you have the 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 smaller minority of people that just happen to be louder in the Disney corporation so they they've got a they've got a pill a tough pill to swallow here pretty soon because they're going to have to they're going to have to reconcile their belief system. Are they going to side with the loud mi- minority of Disney employees that want things done a certain way or are they going to realize that they have a large silent majority that just doesn't that, that just wants to come to work and do their job and not have to worry about playing politics? in the middle of their work day and they're they're the ones that are essentially going to be the ones that win out because there's more of them than there are of the other side well it brings up so if all those people quit what the hell is disney going to do yeah well, it brings up so many questions like should there be limitations on how involved corporations can be in state politics citizens united we'll go back to that that was a that was a conservative right-wing victory quote-unquote but I think it was wrong. Yeah, I think it was an absolute horror show. Uh, what it's done to our country, yeah. saying that corporations are people, is essentially what that verdict brought down: is that corporations have a, a, a right to have a say. Before Citizens United, corporations couldn't lobby on behalf of politicians. They couldn't. They couldn't spend money. It was. It was an illegal. Uh, campaign donation because it was almost considered a conflict of interest yeah. 
And bef- I think that, that Citizens United should be re-looked at because I, I really don't think, A, when the country was founded, I really don't think that the founding fathers ever envisioned a company or a corporation could ever be larger than the no. government. no. And to the second point, I think when they made the decision on Citizens United, I don't think that they ever thought that corporations were actually going to use their power the way that they are using it nowadays to influence society as a whole. Um, you know, maybe they would grease the palms of a couple of politicians, which in and of itself I think is a gray, uh, you know, murky area. But at the same time, I don't think that they envisioned what's happening today. Or maybe they did and they just thought it was going to be happening on the other side. And that's still wrong. I just I think that the Citizens United verdict should be re- revisited. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a that's a whole Pandora's box in and of itself. If it you is. Think about. But, it is. But I, you know, it just it feels like that's it really feels to me like that's becoming the leverage point. Yep. Is that, you know, if we can't if we can't directly disregard people's individuals' rights, then we'll control them through an agency that they depend upon for their livelihoods. You know, yeah. if you think about it, you know, think it, you know, if you have companies subscribing to certain social beliefs and certain standards that are in conflict with individual rights, you know, I mean, I'm, I've always been kind of back and forth with regards to unions in general because I felt like yeah. unions became like mafia to some regard, you know, where I felt like they had too much control to influence what the company did, you know, instead of like letting the actual owners of the company yeah. decide what the company did. But at the same time, you know, again, we see where unions would be beneficial. There was a point. Like in the coal mining industry, for instance, there was a point where they were absolutely necessary because people were dying uh, and starving to death because the the companies would rent the tools out to the miners and shit like that. And then they would cost more than what they would make in their paychecks. So they ended up owing everything. They were indentured indentured servants. Yeah. So, I mean, unions had had uh, a point and and then they still may have a point. A purpose in today's society. It's just that I think that unions have been turned on their ear for another. Did you see uh, more of a weapon? The first Amazon union was announced. Yeah. up in uh, where was that? Was it New York State? Yeah, probably. I I don't remember reading in the article, but I did see the headline that they they. I mean, unionized. not for anything, but I think it's about time. It is. I mean, given given the nature. Now, here's my here's my caveat to that: is that if these unions are going to use this as a platform to kind of say that everybody deserves $25, $30 an hour or whatever the case be when they're not, you know, when you have people that have gone to school for four yeah. to eight years or making the same amount, I, I feel like, That's you know, a little bit bullshit. That's bullshit. But yeah. that's a subject on its own. But, yeah. you know, I this is a lot of inf- good information. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to read out there. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think we just, uh, those of you that listen, I think you just, you, you need to be, expressive about these points is that you know if you have kids in the household or, or or kids in college that are you know getting exposed to this this range of ideas that states that you know only those things which make me feel safe quote unquote are those things which are acceptable you need to kill that yeah you need to kill that like right away 
I mean, there's there's no such thing as a safe idea. And I, I think that uh, in the grand scheme of things is that, you know, there's nothing safe about the United States in the, in the sense that it, it wasn't safety that got us to where we were or are. Uh, it, it was risk. It yep. was it was being willing to be offended. You know, is you know when you have people threatening your life, that's pretty offensive. Yeah, you know, so exactly. but they were willing to travel across the country to establish colonies and settlements, and you know they were you know our founding fathers were willing to put their life on the line, you know, for both wealth and you know so that we would have the opportunity to have individual rights. You know, I nothing's perfect in this country. Nothing ever will be perfect in this country. There's nothing that has ever been said or done that hasn't had its you know, slight shade of gray or, you know, wrong tinge to it, you know, in some regards. But at the same time, comparatively speaking, you know, the kind of structure that we have in in this country is a lot, is damn more acceptable and damn more, um, what am I looking for? It, it's, it's, um, easier to, easier to live with. It's easier to thrive. Yeah. I, I've said it before a uh, hundred times and I'll say it again. We're, we're not, we're not perfect, but I wouldn't want to live any other place in any other time. Yeah. We're living in the best place in the best time in human history. Yeah. There's, there's no better place that I would want to be. Um, that being said, I think that's a good place to start wrapping things up. Um, you can find us on Facebook uh, at facebook.com forward slash PA between the lines. You can find us on Twitter at the BTL podcast, and you can check out our website, the BTL podcast.com. Um, ho- our website is hosted by postal productions. You can go to postalproductions.com and check out all of their hosting options. Um, and, um, you know, check email them uh, with any questions you may have on their hosting packages. Uh, that's postalproductions.com hosted uh, hosting the BTL podcast.com again facebook.com forward slash PA between the lines Twitter at the BTL podcast and our website is the BTL podcast.com um, I hope everyone enjoyed um, this episode go back and check out our old episodes on ESG to get a little bit more context as to what we were talking about today um, as well as um, all of our previous podcasts. There's something there for everybody. Um, and hopefully you join us next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Um, I really hope that um, you know we're at least bringing some value uh, to, these, to these podcasts anyway. So until next week, everyone, keep a, a level head on your shoulders. Um, you know, keep the violence to a minimum. Uh, quit, uh, quit open slapping people uh, <laughs> over over innocuous jokes, um, and hopefully we can turn society back to a more tolerant, um, more you know lukewarm uh, kind of society. So until next week, be good to yourselves and each other. Bye. Bye.